Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. So 1 Corinthians 12, if you're there, verse 1 says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So we just root ourselves right away in God's power, his work. This isn't about human effort. This isn't about how smart you are, how much money you have, how much influence. This is all about him. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good for all of us. To one there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So this, this passage gives us um, a picture of what the body of Christ should look like when we get together. What happens when the church gathers? Well, when the church gathers, they worship Jesus, and wherever Jesus is worshiped, he comes near, and when he comes near, it activates the Holy Spirit in all of us, and he starts to distribute in people these different ways to show his power in our lives. And I love that he distributes them freely, but also without any concern about persons, who you are or where you come from or what you've done. He says, if you're here to worship the Lord Jesus, I can send power into you and through you into others. It it is literally maybe the only place in the world where um, this idea of true equity (laughs) Equality actually operates. Where there is no, no seat of honor for people because of what they've done. It's literally everything's focused on him and he can use anybody he wants. And in fact, he really loves to use people who seem like they would never get used by God. If you read the scriptures, the most likely people for God to use are the ones that we would all say in human terms, ah, I don't know, and then God shows up. And he does these things. So this word manifestation, right, is is really key, not only to this passage, but to the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And the Greek word is this word phanerosis, which simply means disclosure or appearing or revelation. And in in the Latin, this word manifest literally means hand and strike. (laughs) It's like literally for God to manifest himself, he, he puts his hand on people, 
And in some ways, the early church had this idea of the dancing hand of God over the worship of the church. And his hand would dance and it would touch people and things would happen and they would see things, they would hear things, they would feel things, they would speak things. But it means to make something really clear in public. And this is the key. Jesus still desires to make his name, mission, purpose, love clear to human beings. He wants to make it really clear who he is and what kind of um, God that he is. And, And in this manifestation, we get to see the power and lordship of Jesus, the reality of Jesus Christ as the one and only Son of God. So we've talked uh, many times about this, and I just want to kind of do this before we dig in, is, is um, we're in a constant battle to not settle for the omnipresence of God. That God's everywhere in all times in the same way to all people, right? Whether you're a Christian or you're a Hindu or you're a Buddhist or you're a Muslim or you're a pagan or you're an atheist, God's presence in creation, the reality of that's available to everyone, but his manifest presence is selective, and it's specific, and it's poured out in clear ways in the scripture. And so this, this matters, so I was thinking about this way, is that, is that uh, when you settle for omnipresence, you're settling for generality. So the idea is that God is generally present at all times, which actually starts to mean in some ways God's generally interested in you. <laughs> like how many got your first date with a girl being like, I'm generally interested in you, I guess. Right? No, no, no. Like, when you, like, find somebody, you're like, I am specifically aimed, oriented toward you. I want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to pursue you. And so sometimes in the church, when it's just like, ah, God's present, God's God, he's available to all these things, you know, it's like, almost like God's not specifically interested in us. And I just want to tell you, he is uniquely, specifically interested in you, in your heart, in your story, in what he wants to do in your life, and he wants to make it so clear to you who he is and how he feels about you and why he made you (laughs) and how he's the only one who knows everything about you. There'll never be a human being who knows every single thing about you. Only him. He's the only one. He's like, I can do that with you. I want to do that with you. So, with that, what, what does this look like for us, right? Got my notes in the wrong order. So, <laughs> manifestation, right? It says that in the church, this happens. What does that look like, this dancing hand? Well, what happens is as we worship Jesus, as we glorify him, as we open the Bible and read his words, the Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in you, he can actually come upon you. He can, he can come and rest on your life. He can come and kind of, um, I love the story of creation of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was brooding over creation. He was over creation. And what happens like when a hen broods, right? Its life is happening and she's protecting it and she's nurturing it and she's, she's there. The Holy Spirit comes and, and, and upon people. And what this means, though, too, and this is really clear, um, a, a clear um, warning for us is that we don't own these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, the Spirit comes upon people and manifests his power in you, but we've got to be really careful that we don't own. We don't try to own this gift. And this is dangerous to be like, oh, well, that guy, he's really prophetic. 
What does that say? It kind of says that you're prophetic, you own the gift, rather than say, man, the Holy Spirit really works in the gift of prophecy in that person. Like, like always putting it back to him. The Spirit comes upon people and owns this gift and enlightens and moves people as he wills. He distributes as he wills. And what I love about it, so it's like, it's not that it's permanent, but it's available all the time. Isn't that interesting? It's not that you own it all that you just do it whenever you want to, but it's, it's available anytime you open your life to him and ask him to work. It's available. And so these gifts are for glorifying Jesus and to bless people for the common good. That's why these gifts exist. And so um, we're going to talk through 1 Corinthians 12 in three groupings, right? We're going to talk about uh, revelation, power, and speech, so Revelation, it says words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And then you have faith and workings of miracles and healings. And then you have uh, tongues and, and interpretation of tongues and um, prophecy. So we're going to clump, clump those into kind of three things and we'll deal with it. So this week we're going to talk about Revelation. But before we could just kind of dig even deeper, I love these things from our friend John Tyson. He wrote these down. I think they're really helpful. So what, what are the spiritual gifts? Um, what are they not? Or what, are they, what do they not do? Well, they don't replace servanthood. So the idea of the church is not to become a really gifted Bible teacher and build a big class or build a stage, all this stuff, and that releases you from serving people, from loving people, from doing the things Jesus calls us to do. The gifts don't teach doctrine, but they also don't contradict it. They don't subvert leadership, right? God gives us leaders, and it doesn't matter how gifted you are or how old you are or where you're at in life, God gives every single person in this room leaders, and our job is to honor our leaders, to submit to them, to serve them, to bless them. And, it, and, it, and I'll just tell you, it doesn't matter who you are, where you go, your whole life you'll have leaders. And those who learn how to humble themselves and submit to leaders, God just pours out grace in those people's lives. The gifts aren't an office, right? It's not something you own. They're not a substitute for holiness. We've got to be really careful that we don't lift people up who have great gifts and ignore the under-the-surface sin patterns in their life, right? Because they don't cancel each other out. We can't say, oh, I know he's got this thing over here, but he has such a great ministry that glorifies God, so we're just going to ignore that. You know what happens? All of those things get exposed. They just will. They will come to light. There's, there's, there's nothing that is secret uh, that will not be exposed. The Bible talks about these things. The gifts are not instead of the fruit. So it's not like, oh, I can operate in the gifts, but not be patient because I'm so gifted, <laughs> or not have self-control, or not be gentle, right? One of the biggest things, if you want to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life this way, is to cultivate gentleness in your life, because Jesus was so gentle with people. He was meek and humble of heart. And the gifts aren't a substitute for self-denial and discipleship, right? So there's a possibility that these gifts can be abused, they can be distorted, and they can be dangerous if we don't also pursue discipleship to Jesus and learn his way of life as we let these things flow through us. So everyone has the capacity to manifest spiritual gifts in the presence of God. So if you're in this room and you're saying, Jesus is Lord of my life, he's not just my savior, but he's my master, he's my teacher, you have the capability, you have the potential in you, and in fact, you were created for this very thing. <laughs> For him to flow his life through you into the world. That's why he made you. So everyone has this capacity. 
And the way it happens is we wait on God. We create these environments where we worship and we pray. We respond. We stir up faith. So what does this look like? Three gifts, right? What is the, the word of wisdom? So I'm going to give you a couple of levels, right? Because it's interesting. Is how do we identify these gifts in the church? And I'm sorry we don't have slides. I did a wedding this weekend. So when I do weddings, there's no slides. Just, just set your expectations. And I, I went to two weddings yesterday. I preached one and attended another and then went back. It was awesome. It's an amazing day. But slides were sacrificed on that altar. So you're just going to have to stick with me. So a word of wisdom. There's three kinds of layers of wisdom, right? One is just really clear. It's just your own uh, developed skill of wisdom and strategic planning. It's your life lessons and insights. And I want to tell you that's a beautiful thing, but it is not a word of wisdom from the Lord. Like, so, so I'm not telling you, so this is what happens. Sometimes Christians stop developing the skill of wisdom because they're so dependent on a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And God never tells you to do that. He's like, no, 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 seek every amount of wisdom you can in every single way. If you're in business, become the wisest business person you can in strategy and skill and planning, all those things. And yet also be open to the Holy Spirit to speak a word of wisdom into your business. Because he's your helper. He knows things. <laughs> about what God's doing and where he's at. So there's, there's secular skills, strategic planning, life lessons, insights. Then there's biblical wisdom. We did a whole series on Proverbs. You should be cultivating the wisdom of God as revealed in scripture into your life. You should be reading it consistently. You should be practicing it. It's this narrow road. It's the eternal wisdom of God. And then there's a word of wisdom, which is a supernatural revelation from God for a certain season. I love this word. It's manifestation for the moment. And this is key. God cares about the moments of your life. He cares about car rides with your kids on the way to football practice, and you're just desperate to reach the heart of your teenager. And you're just like, God, would you just give me supernatural revelation to say something that brings life and not death in my child. He wants you to operate in your business. You're in the middle of a lawsuit or you're having problems with employees or you're, you know, who knows what's going on and you're just, God, I need all of my, all of my uh, life skill and insight, all the proverbs I know, none of it's working. I don't know what to do. I need supernatural revelation of wisdom right now. I need it. And God says, I care about these moments in your life. I'm in this relationship and I don't know what to do, God. Should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I pursue? And, and you're just like, I don't know if God cares. Have, have you ever said that? I don't know if God cares about that stuff. Right? I'm pretty sure God doesn't care if OU or OSU wins. I'm pretty sure about that. But there's so many things we think God doesn't care about that he's like, no, 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 no. I am with you. I'm in on this life, on all these decisions you make. I care about these things. So you see it with Jesus in John 4, the woman at the well, right? You see him talk to her about her life. He has supernatural revelation about who she is and what's happening in her life and the lack of wisdom operating in it. And she goes back, she says, come see a man who's told me everything about myself. You see uh, Joseph storing up grain. What happened with Joseph in Egypt? He gets a supernatural revelation that, that a famine is coming. This is what's crazy, guys. If you're a leader in the marketplace, in education, uh, you're a lawyer, whatever you're doing out there in the marketplace, you have such an advantage if you allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. He literally is like, guess what? There's a famine coming. Nobody else knows. 
but I'm going to put somebody there with supernatural wisdom. And what does Joseph do? He says, we're going to start storing up grain. Right? Noah gets this thing. It's going to rain. And people are like, you're crazy. But like, God's like, no, no, no. You have the advantage because I, I want to live with you. Isn't that amazing? So that's a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge, really simple, right? You have secular skill and knowledge. You have information. Many of you have degrees. Some of you, you know, uh, have PhDs. Where's Jake Dearman? I think he's teaching the kids. Smartest guy I know, right? So there's really smart people. You have knowledge and it's good. And God says, get all the knowledge you can, but also don't let it puff you up, right? Because this knowledge isn't the kind of knowledge that God has on offer. Then there's biblical knowledge, there's truth, there's doctrine. It's really beautiful. Like, you know, all this stuff that Christians get into about who God is and how he works and atonement theory and all these things that we get into and we, uh, we nerd out on and we're just like, this is so awesome. And yet in a moment, God can give you a word of knowledge. You can know things that you would not know any other way except for the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's speaking to you. And so we mentioned Jesus in the well, but also you look at, uh, in Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, right? They sell this plot of land, and they come to give the money away, and, and Peter somehow has supernatural knowledge that they didn't give everything they promised they would. They were lying, and he just points it out. You have Paul on this ship, right? In Acts 27, there's this big storm, and everybody's freaking out, and Paul just stands up, and he says, listen, you don't have to worry. The Lord, uh, the, the angel of God appeared to me last night. <laughs> I love this. Like, God sent me an angel. He told me what's going to happen. Don't worry. We're going to wreck, but everyone's going to be okay. No one's going to die. And what happens? Everything he said happens. He got this supernatural revelation from God to see more than you can see with human eyes. And I don't know about you guys, but there's times in my life where I'm just like, Lord, I need knowledge that I don't have. I'm making decisions, I'm thinking about things, people are coming at me from different directions, and I need to know things that I cannot know apart from you. I want to live in that place where I have a secret weapon in my life, which is the storehouse of the knowledge of God in heaven, forever eternal knowledge that he's saying, this is yours if you want some of it. Is anyone lacking knowledge? Just go ask God says you have not because you ask not. And and when you start to do that, it's amazing how God starts to just give you insight into the way he wants you to live and the things he's doing and these big plans that are unfolding in the world and he lets you get a peek of it and you get to participate in it. The last one is the gift of discernment or they say distinguishing between spirits which likely refers to the God-given ability to discern if an apparently inspired speaker is ministering by the power of the Holy Spirit or by some counterfeit power, right? So in the book of Acts, there's this, this girl who is doing magic, right? She's like predicting people's future. She's doing all this stuff, and yet, yet the apostles recognize this isn't the spirit of the Lord. This is a demonic spirit that's operating through this girl. And this is really key in the church, right? Because there's lots of people who will come in this place and they will claim to be speaking for God and yet they're not. And we have to be able to discern who is speaking for Jesus in this place and who is speaking for themselves or who's speaking for the enemy. Like we have to have discernment and that discernment many times isn't, again, it's not in us because our discernment many times is wrong, Because we look at the outside of a person, or we look at their education, or we look at their experience, all these things, and so we can't judge by that. We need another grid. We need another way to discern what's happening 
in a place. We need to know the mind of the Spirit, right? So these are things that are available, like they are available this morning in this room right now. That's what's cool is right now, God can be giving people words of knowledge, words of wisdom. They can be discerning the Spirit in the room. So the question I think a lot of people have is, why doesn't this happen very often? Like, why, why when we go to church now, so what's happening in, in my life a lot now is I'm talking to pastors and I'm talking to people in different cities and I'm telling them what's happening in our church. It literally happened last night at the wedding. I'm just describing what God's doing here. And they're like, man, I wish we had a church like that in this city. Because they said, I, I, the church I go to and the ones I've been to, we're not seeing miracles. Like, we're not seeing healings. You know, we're not seeing words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And I'm like, friend, it's available still. We're seeing it constantly here. And it's not because we're cool or good or smart <laughs> or anything. It's actually because we know we're not. And if you just get out of the way, God wants to do this stuff. So why, why doesn't it happen very often? Here's what I think. I think one, we're freaked out by abuse. Many of us have either had a direct personal experience with the abuse of the gifts and, the, and, and abusive leaders around the gifts, and it just freaked us out, and it turned us off, and we're just like, Whoosh! I'll just take my Bible and march, you know, to heaven. <laughs> and we just kind of cut off the supernatural. But friends, that's literally saying no to Jesus' promise. He said, my promise to you is that the Holy Spirit will come and live in you, and greater things will you do than I ever did on earth. And it's literally like saying, no thanks, Jesus, I'll just take the Bible. Like, I'll just take church, I'll just take a small group, I'll just take my, my life where I'm trying to obey all the rules, and that's enough. But we're freaked out by abuse. The other thing is we like to be in control. God can only do the things that we feel comfortable with. Because it freaks us out that, that something might happen that we don't control. And I get it, it can be scary, because you're just like, man... I don't, I don't know. And we see God do something in some person's life and you're like, I don't want that to happen to me, <laughs> right? And we've all been there like, I don't know, I'm here for a lot of things, God, but just don't, please don't do that to me. <laughs> it's just hilarious. And I, I get it. I, I have those thoughts and those feelings. The third thing is that you can actually grieve the spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good. It's actually possible to grieve the Spirit in the way that he withdraws his power and presence. He doesn't move out of your center of your life, but the things that he does when he comes upon people, he just says, hey, I get it. You don't like that. You don't want that. I will not force it on you. Most of the time. Sometimes he'll still come back and just be like, oh yeah, I'm God, and he'll do that. Right, but you can grieve the Spirit. And others, we just have no training or experience. That's what we found. We collected a church full of people in 2018 when we we're like, listen, we're going all in for revival, for the presence of God, for prayer, for worship. We just want to be open. If it says in the Bible, we're, we're fine with it. And the Bible has some weird stuff. I don't know if you've read it. There's donkeys speaking, and there's, you know, fire from heaven, and there's like, there's crazy stuff in this book that we all say we believe every single world is inspired by God. And we just said, we, we want that, but we had no training or experience in it. And, and so we we're just kind of like, all right, we'll just see what happens. But what we have been trained to do at the church is to come, connect, give our opinion, and leave. <laughs> that's, that's what church has been for most of us. You just show up, you connect with people, meet some people, you give your opinions in Bible class, you know, try not to say anything bad, and then you just go home. And you're like, okay, we went to church. We're not, um, we haven't been trained or conditioned to come to uh, expect the power of God to be poured out every time we walk through these doors. 
That's on offer. And it's literally like every Sunday there's a ribeye steak waiting for you. And you're like, I'll take the hamburger from McDonald's. It's just less threatening, right? <laughs> you're like, and God's like, look, look at this. I prepared a meal for you that's life-changing if you'll just take it. Many times we have a consumer mentality, which means we come to church for what we can get rather than what we can give. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you things, but it's mostly so that you can give it to others. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, in the same way that you've been reconciled to God, you've become a minister of reconciliation. He's always doing things in you so that he can get things through you to others. And then he wants to multiply that. And there's this chain reaction and networks of relationships as God pours out his spirit in people and we just give it to others. And the last, I think we've just been really conditioned to have a Bible teacher and some songs and that, that represents church. We've given up on the priesthood of all believers that every single person in here has a chance to minister through the power of the Spirit to their neighbor in this place. And so we just want more than that. So what, what does that mean for Skyline? John 14 says, all this I have spoken while still with you, Jesus is speaking, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He goes on in John 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. <laughs> Love that. He's like, you can't even take it right now, so I'm going to wait till I resurrect from the dead so that you'll actually believe the things I'm saying about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. He said, that's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Um, I've got to change my notes here. I'm going to wrap up real quick. So, I know that uh, manifestation seems messy, right? It seems scary. Um, it seems like bad things can happen. But I just want to add, like, what's the other option? The other option is for us to set up golden calves in our midst. It's, it's literally to make idols because golden calves don't speak back. Golden calves don't require change or transformation. Golden calves never tell you to give away your money or to forgive that person or to repent of your sin. They don't require any fruits of the Spirit. Golden calves, idols, simply reflect ourselves back to us. And it tricks us into thinking that we're worshiping and we're good when we're literally, we're, we're worshiping ourselves. <laughs> and I think what we see right now is an entire culture, what happens when an entire culture turns away from God to self-glorification and worship? Not just in individuals. What happens when an entire nation turns from God to self-glorification, pursuit of my best life, and I want everything I do to reflect me back to me? I want to echo back the things I want to hear. So I, I feel like Joshua right now, like we need to make a declaration, not just in this church, but in our lives that says, as for us and our house, we will worship God in the reality of his manifest presence. We will be seekers of God, not in the abstract, but in, in the clear, concrete reality of who he is, of how he has met human beings over the millennia, over the years. 
And so um, I want to make a promise like we will not quench the Holy Spirit. We will not judge by human terms or by our comfort level. And we have healthy, mature, safe leaders in this room. That's what's beautiful. Like, like we are more than willing to confront excess or abuse and to get it quick, right? And, and we've already done it in ways that you don't even know. You don't know that we did that. And that's why this is already a safe place because we've already confronted things. We're like, hey, that's weird. We don't do that here, <laughs> right? And uh, that's why it's good to have a Enneagram 8 around. So, and Kelly Patterson, who's the best confronter in history, it turns out. Um, <laughs> uh, we have the scriptures to guide and test everything that happens here, and we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us to give us wisdom, knowledge, discernment, and we judge the fruit. And just a final story, just so you, you can hear, just the clear, clear thing is, uh, I asked Sean if I could tell this story. And uh, I'm going to invite the band back up real quick. And uh, at our men's retreat two years ago or four years ago, somewhere around there, um, we just had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and things got, I don't know what you call them. They got weird. They got wild. They got intense. And, uh, and um, Sean really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that manifested itself in weeping and laughter is the only thing I can say. And, and basically on the ground, on the dirtiest gym floor you've ever you've ever been on. And uh, if you know Sean, you know Sean's not a faker. (laughs) Sean, you're the least fake person I think I've ever met. Sean will tell you the truth in ways, wounds from a friend. He will tell you the truth, exactly how it goes. And I love that because there's just no dishonesty in Sean. And so we knew that, man, God's doing something here. And uh, the beautiful thing, I mean, it was probably an hour of this. Like, I mean, his stomach, he's like, I can't, I think I'm, I'm going to die if I keep laughing. And it was like, and so we had the crazy thing of God working, but we also had people, I mean, we literally had people, I don't even know if you know, we had people walk out of the gym and leave. They were so offended by God's outpouring in Sean's life. They walked out and left and they left our church. They're so offended by that. And it's so sad because they didn't stick around to see the fruit, which confirmed the experience. Sean's life, the amazing work God's done in your life since that moment, he kept saying that night, I'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. And he just kept saying it over and over and over again. And now Sean leads our night shelter, like our homeless night shelter there. He is an incredible leader. He's a director. Everything in it, like, it's just the fruit. It's just incredible. It confirms the experience. And that's what we want to do here. We want to have encounters with God that shake us up. They make us uncomfortable. But we clearly identify the fruit of that is this like holiness, righteousness, goodness, peace, gentleness, joy, self-control. And we've just seen it. I love having just like a clear picture in a life of what God does when he shows up and he takes over (laughs) your body, your mind, your spirit your life. And it's a beautiful thing. And and so we just want to say more of that, Lord. I want more Sean's. And I I just thought this morning, I would take 10 Sean's over a thousand church attenders any day. Give me 10 of, of, of men of that character in pursuit of God, and we will charge the gates of hell. And we want, we just, I don't want just 10 though. I want a thousand in this city. I want 10,000 Sean's. I want a hundred thousand in this nation who'd actually go after God to see revival, like hit the earth. So that's what we're about. So we're going to keep going. Is that, is that good? I'm going to pray and close us. If you just stay seated for a second, would you, and would you just open your hands? And if you feel open to this, would you just pray a prayer that just says, God, God, I'm open to this. 
Lord, I want to see you manifest your power in my life. I know that you're good. I know you would never do anything in me or to me or around me that isn't for my good. So I trust you to be God. You're a good father. You give good gifts. And our world right now needs your power, Lord. More than, than anything else, we need your power poured out to change lives, to change families, to change neighborhoods, to change schools, to change businesses, to change cities and states and regions and nations, and to cover the globe in your love. So Holy Spirit, we just say yes to you. And whatever you want to do in us, through us, around us, we just say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.